0: tells us that as Christians we are part of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection and ascension. Identifying with Christ is how we stop treating the symptoms of sin and get to the real cure. We pray that you are blessed as you join us in the message entitled, Identify with Christ.
1: We are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. The hope of glory living in me. Now That word hope doesn't mean, well, I sure hope it's going to happen. It means a certain expectation and full confidence of His glory. Not just in the life to come, but in this life. Folks, we are living in the glory of the Lord right now. Now, one day our body will be glorified. But there's a part of me that is glorified right now, and I think we're going to take a good look at that this morning. If you take your Bibles out with me and turn to the first letter to the church at Corinth, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. And while you're doing that, I'll give you one more update on Marcel. Everybody loves Marcel, don't you? We found out last week that Marcel is a selfish man, right? He is a stingy and cheap man. Well, Marcel and his wife, they they lived up north for a time. I don't know if you knew that or not. See, Marcel's from Yazoo City, Mississippi, way down south where it's hot. And his company sent him up to Chicago to live for a while. Well, come wintertime, it was the frozen streets of Chicago, and he left to go on vacation in the deep south to the very southern tip of Florida, down around Miami there. And uh, his wife had to work, so she couldn't go the same day. She told him, said, well, you go on ahead, and I'll come down tomorrow. So he went on down, and he got there at the motel, and Marcel was getting into the computer age. So he sent a message back to his wife, an email. He he uh, decided to just send her a quick note to let her know that he was there in Florida. And uh, he looked around, and he couldn't find the scrap of paper where he wrote down her email address. So he just typed it in from memory, the very best that he could remember it. And when he did, he missed it by one letter. And inadvertently sent the message to an a aged pastor's wife whose husband had just passed away the day before. Well, she comes up grieving over the loss of her husband. She goes in and looks at her computer to see if there was any messages on her, on her email, and she took one look at the monitor, let out a scream, and just fell out on the floor in a dead faint. Her family come running up into the room there to see what was happening, and when they looked at the monitor, this is what they read. Hello, honey. Just got checked in. Everything is prepared for your arrival tomorrow. P.S. It sure is hot down here. Leave it to Marcel to comfort a grieving widow. Amen. Now, what is the moral in that story? It's a pretty good idea to know where you're going in the first place. Amen. It's also a pretty good idea to know who you're talking to. But there are some things that you just can't know. Marcel didn't know who he was talking to, and pretty obviously this woman didn't know where she was going. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need to know where you're going. Amen. Amen. But some things can be known and should be known. And because the Word of God has declared these things to us, there are some things that we can know. And this morning I want to look at some of those things. If you found your place in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, Then of the twelve. After that he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remains until this present. But some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James. Then of all the apostles. And last of all he was seen of me also. As one born out of due season. For I am the least of the apostles. That am not meet to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. But by grace. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preached, and so ye believed. Now if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. Verse 15, Yea, and ye are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead. And become the first fruit of them that slept. For since man came death, by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Father, there is such revelation in your word that sometimes I feel, God, we have only begun to scratch the surface. But Lord, today I pray that you open up an understanding to us, God. Lord, that can get just beyond our spirit that understands these things, but God, it can break through the restraints of our natural man and that we can take hold of these things in our understanding, Lord. And God, we can begin to form our lives and live our lives in such a way that that revelation of your word God can show us just exactly who we are in You. So, Father, we pray this morning that You will break through the restraints of our mind, Lord, and show us the, the wonderful revelation that is in Your Word and in the res- resurrection knowledge of Jesus Christ. I ask You this now in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I ask for the presence of Your Holy Spirit, God, to just permeate this place. God, we bind every lying spirit, every distraction. God, everything that would take our mind off of the truth of Your Word, we drive it into the abyss right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we release, O God, the anointing of Your Word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Throughout history, and in the history of mankind, there are two men that stand above all other men, as it uh, relates to our relationship with God and the influence that they had on the human race. All humanity is divided by these two men. And you this morning are identified by one of those men or the other. Now today we're celebrating the very heart of Christianity. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad He rose from the dead this morning? Aren't you glad that there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem? Amen? They went there looking for him and couldn't find him. I'm glad that the Romans put the guards in front of the tomb so they couldn't say, "Well, they came and stole his body," as some people try to say, uh, to uh, you know, allude to. Um, there were guards there; their life depended on guarding that tomb. But that didn't hinder Jesus. Uh, the tomb was empty. I like the rendition of Don Francisco when he talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the eyes of Peter, when Peter was standing there and he denied Christ. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified. All of you are going to desert me. And Peter says, not me, Lord. I will never desert you. And he said, Peter, before the cock crows, you will deny that you even know me thrice. And of course he did. And and Don Francisco's song says that the, the gates and doors were barred. The windows were fastened down. I spent the night in sleeplessness. I rose at every sound. Half in hopeless sorrow and half in fear the day would bring the soldiers breaking through to drag us all away. Just before the sunrise, I heard something at the wall. The gates began to rattle. A voice began to call. I hurried to the window and looked down into the streets, expecting swords and torches and the sound of soldiers' feet. But there was no one there but Mary, so I went down to let her in. John stood there beside me as she told us where she's been. She said, they've moved him in the night, and none of us know where. The stone's been rolled away, and now his body isn't there. So we both ran towards the garden, and John ran on ahead. He found the stone and the empty tomb, just the way that Mary said. But the winding sheets they'd wrapped him in was just an empty shell. And how and where they'd taken him was more than I could tell. Back inside the house again, the guilt and anguish came. Everything that I'd promised him just added to my shame. When at last it came to choices, I denied. I knew his name. Even if he was alive, it wouldn't be the same. Suddenly the air was filled with a strange and sweet perfume. Light shone from everywhere. It drove shadows from the room. Jesus stood before me with his arms held open wide. I just fell down before him and clung to him and cried. Then he lifted me to my feet and he looked into my eyes. Love was shining out from him like sunlight from the skies. And all my doubts and my confusion just disappeared in sweet release. And every fear I ever had just melted into peace because he's alive. Can you imagine how Peter felt? Because it says when he rose from the dead, he was first seen by Cephas or Simon Peter. When he came and said, Peter, I've risen. And all of his guilt and shame was just gone. He's alive this morning. And so we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate it every time we gather. But today the world is saying, we're going to celebrate the Passover, the resurrection of our Lord. Now we read in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. That He was buried, He was rose again the third day according to the Scripture. Verse 5, it says that He was seen by Cephas, then He was seen by the twelve. After that, he was seen by about 500 brethren. And he says, many of them are still alive. If you don't believe it, go ask them. <laughs> many of them are still right here. And he says, then after that, he was seen by James then by all the apostles. And then Paul says, at last, he was seen by me also. Verse 17, he says, but if Christ be not risen, your faith is in vain. And you are yet in your sins. Verse 19, he says, and if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are Among all men, most miserable. But this morning, church, we are not miserable. Because unlike the preacher's wife, we know where we're going. Amen? Amen. I hope you know where you're going this morning. Look at your neighbor one more time and say, Neighbor, you need to know where you're going. I hope you know where you're going this morning. (laughs) Because you see, you're going to be identified with either Jesus Christ or you're going to be identified with Adam. Because he talks about these two men in this passage of Scripture and he makes a comparison. Because Jesus in the Bible is referred to as the second Adam or the second perfect man. Because you see, when God first created Adam, he was perfect. There was no sin in Adam's life, he was perfect. The earth was perfect, it was a paradise, there was nothing here corrupted. I mean, animals talked. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> they talked to each other. And I don't know if he talked to the animals or not. It's a kind of, What was that cartoon, The Incredible Mr. Limpet? He talked to fish. And uh, I don't know. Well, I saw it when I was a little boy there. Uh, I don't remember. There, there was another one. But anyway, everything was perfect. Things were the way that God intended for them to be. But when Adam sinned, something catastrophic happened to all of creation. Sin entered into the earth, and because of that, God had to curse everything that He had created. He cursed the serpent, and then He cursed the woman, He cursed all of creation, but worst of all, a curse came upon men. And because of that, that curse has been passed on from Adam to every human being that was ever born. That is the whole treatise of Romans chapter 5 and 6. That's what Paul is getting to. It says in Romans five twelve. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Romans 3.23 says the same thing. It's a part of the, what we call the, the Roman road. It's the main theme of the Roman road is to help people understand that you are a sinner, you are in need of a Savior. Romans road is Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Romans 5.89, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and uh, being made a, a sacrifice for us. I think it's Romans 10.9 and 10, it says, If you shall believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, confess with your mouth that God raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the Roman road just kind of a nutshell. But all mankind is identified either by Adam or by Jesus Christ. To be identified with Adam, all you have to do is be born. You don't really get a choice. And a good portion of the world this morning have their identity in Adam, the fallen man. We read in our opening text in verse 22, "...as in Adam all die." Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. Because Jesus is the second man that we can be identified with. Jesus Christ, the second Adam or the second perfect man. Now, when you are born, you're automatically identified in Adam, in sin, with a sin nature. You were identified with Him. But if you are born again, then you're identified with Christ Jesus. The title of the message this morning, I've entitled it, Identified with Christ. But what does that mean, to be in Christ, or to be identified with Christ? For us to really, really understand that, I mean, we, I, I think this morning we may say, Pastor, I really understand that, but I'm not really sure we do. Because I'm coming in some things myself, I'm like, wow, that's, that's a much deeper thing than, than I've really considered before. Lord, and we're going to look at that this morning, being identified with Christ. First of all, to really understand that, we need to look at what it means to be identified with Adam. Because in order for God to bring us into a fellowship with Himself, He had to break the power of sin in our life in two different aspects of sin. God had to deal with it. First of all, God had to deal with our sins, plural, themselves. The unrighteous thoughts that we've had, the unrighteous words that we've spoken, the deeds that we have committed, and the deeds that we have omitted. You see, there's sins of commission, and there's sins of omission. There are certain things that you should not do, and if you do them, you commit sin. There are other things that you should do, and if you don't do them, you have committed sin. Remember Jesus said, you saw me a stranger, and you did not take me in. You saw me sick, you did not come to visit me. You saw me uh, hungry, you did not feed me naked, you did not clothe me. You omitted those things, and it was a sin. The Bible says, to him that know to do good and do it not, to him it is a sin. So God, first of all, has to deal with the, the particular sins that we have committed. And and he's dealt with those. I mean, the minute you trusted Jesus Christ, he deals with those sins. The second thing that he has to deal with is the source of those sins, this sinful nature, the nature that every single person has when they're born. Why does a little bitty baby pitch temper tantrums? I'm talking about a T90 little thing. I got a grandson. How old is is, is uh? Jackson, three months old. Does he ever rebel against what you want him to do? (laughs) You know, you're changing their diaper, and they're bowing their back and screaming because they don't want you to do something. It's a defiance born into the nature of man. We have that sinful nature by birth. And so God has to deal with that nature, and He deals with the particular sins that we've done. Now, to remove the sins that we have committed or omitted... It is one of the simplest things in the world for God to do. In fact, you have nothing to do with that other than you repent of those sins, you ask God to forgive you, to come in your life and live. Dealing with the sins is entirely up to Him. It is entirely done by Him. And all He does is blot them out. It tells us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. It says, "...and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath He quickened, the word quickened means made alive, hath quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Brother, that is good news right there. Every nasty, naughty, dirty thing I've ever thought, said, or did, or didn't do, He forgave them all. All of your trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances That was against us. Which was contrary to us. And took it out of the way. Nailing it to his cross. Brother that right there is something to shout about. Some of you did some nasty things. Yeah. Amen. Some of you thought some pretty nasty things. And it doesn't matter. How bad it was. Jesus Christ blotted them out. They don't exist anymore. He dealt. With the sins. But boy, that's sin nature. That's a bird of a different color. Eh, Amen? Horse of a different color. anyone know what they say? Bird of a different color. Horse of a different color. Bird of a different flock. Feather. I don't know. It's different. <laughs> the only way that he separate separate us from the sin nature is by death. Our death. We see that clearly in Scripture, but sometimes we think that we have to physically die. You see, Pastor, do you mean the only way I'm ever going to be free from this sin nature is to die? Well, not physically death, dying. I'm not talking about physical death. And neither is the Bible. The Bible's talking about a spiritual death. We are separated from the sin nature when we die in Christ. You see, the sin nature... It's like a dead rat in the house. There's like a dead rat in my life. The thing stinks. You go in the house. Anybody ever had a dead mouse in your house? A mouse in the house. A dead one. A rat or something. Man, that thing. There's nothing. Stinks like a dead rat. And if you can't find that critter, what do you do? You're burning candles, you're spraying air fresheners. You're dealing with the symptoms. But it doesn't do any good if you don't deal with the source. There's a dead rat here. And we too many times spend our focus and effort on dealing with the symptoms. And never deal with the source. It's like the common cold. You catch a cold, I mean, you take antihistamines, you take aspirins for your headache, you take, I don't know, all kinds of whatever to keep your nose from running, keep them stopped up, keep your eyes from tearing up. All of those things deal with the symptom of a cold. But we never deal with the source of a cold. Because the fact is, there is no cure to the common cold. All you can do is deal with the symptoms. And I think too many Christians today deal with the sin nature like they deal with the common cold. They only deal with the symptoms. And if you deal with the symptoms, some people are pretty very they're very good at this. I don't think that we have any adulterers in here. I hope we don't have any liars or thieves. I hope you don't take God's name in vain. You're not blasphemers. I mean, some of you are doing pretty good dealing with the symptoms, amen? Because you got willpower. And if we have, the stronger our willpower, the more we can deal with the symptoms or the sins that we have to deal with. Addictions may be one of those things. A lot of people have problems with addictions. Some people have more willpower against those things than others. I used to have an addiction. I was addicted to nic- nicotine. I mean, I had it bad, brother. I'd have a pack of Winston's in my pocket and a roll of Levi Garrett in my back pocket. I might have a chew of Taylor's pride over here. And sometimes I'd be chewing and smoking at the same time. I had it, bro. I mean, I loved it. Anybody ever been a smoker? You know, after you get through eating, man, there ain't nothing in the world better than fire one of them things up. Your flesh loves it. And you say, well, I can lay them down any time. No, I couldn't. Brother, I tried and tried and tried and tried and lay it down. Went to church one day and the pastor told me that God had set him free from the same addiction. I'm like, Brother Adam, prayed down blue in the place and God ain't done nothing for me. So I went to the altar. He had an altar call. I went up and he said, What do you want? I said, I want God to do for me what He did for you. He said, What's that? I said, And he saw my pack of That white shirt you can see through it. You can see my cell phone this morning. Right? You can see my pack of ones. I didn't try to hide it. I mean, it was. And I'm not saying if you smoke this morning you're going to hell or you're in sin or anything. That's just. It's an addiction. You can be free from it. That's all I'm telling you. If you're smoking, come on back to church. That's, I don't care. I mean, it's that's between you and God. We're going to love you. All right. If you got any addiction, you're in the right place. This is where you need to be. I'm not here throwing stones at you and pointing my finger saying you heathen, rotten sinner, won't you? I'm not saying that. Because look, folks, I loved the Lord. When me and Jeannie got married, I had hair down to here. <laughs> I had my chewing tobacco and my cigarettes, and I told everybody about Jesus. Love the Lord, filled with the Holy Ghost. But I had a problem. I didn't have the willpower to overcome. And some people did. The Long story short, I went to the altar, and God did set me free. July of 1980. That's been a while ago. My little Nathan wasn't even born then. But my charity was my. First child was born. I was holding her one days when I really I was like I got to get rid of these things. Because one thing to kill myself, I don't kill my, my daughter. This stuff and anyway, <clears throat> we some people have more willpower over those things: lust, out of rage, control, greed, envy, jealousy, lying, stealing, gossip, whatever the label. Some people have a lot of willpower, but other people don't. And so, if you do have willpower, you're still only dealing. With the symptoms. You're not dealing with the source. Now, if you give in to those symptoms, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but praise God you've got willpower. And even if you don't understand the concept of what I'm going to share with you this morning, it's still a good thing that you're fighting against the symptoms. Alright, I want you to understand that. It's a good thing that if you've got addictions, you have willpower to not yield to those things. Because if you yield to them, they can kill you. Just like the common cold. It's like, well, I can't do anything about it. There's no cure for the common cold anyway, so I'm just going to go on outside in the miserable cold winter barefooted. Well, no hat on, no coat on. Get soaking wet. Get my feet wet. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll get pneumonia. And you might die from it. When you give in to these things, they can be fatal. The same thing is true about the symptoms of sin. The stinking rat. I mean, you can give in to that. I don't know if it's... Extensive, of a rat can kill you, but sin can, brother. It can kill you to the point that I believe you can sin to a point that, well, it's my personal belief you can sin away the day of grace if you give in to those things. So fighting it and having a strong willpower is a good thing. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but there's more than just willpower. Because strong willpower is not the same as spiritual growth. You say, well, I don't drink, I don't chew, and I don't hang out with those who do. Well, good for you. But that don't make you any closer to God than anybody else. If that were true, the Hindus would be closer to God than you. The Buddhists would be closer to God than you, because there's nobody more disciplined than people like that. The Mormons and other people, they're very disciplined. I mean, a Mormon don't even enjoy a cup of soldiers in the morning. They believe it's a sin to drink coffee. I'm glad that ain't on my list, brother. Aren't you? <laughs> Boy, if we condemn coffee, I'd lose everybody in the church. Half <laughs> the churches in the world they'd have to close the doors, brother. But if abstaining from those things, having strong willpower and being very disciplined were spiritual growth, there's many people that don't even acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that would be closer to God. Then you and I. So, see, we can't equate that to spiritual growth. It's not the same. The cure of this source can only come when we identify ourselves with Christ Jesus in his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. Are you with me? Say his death, his burial, his resurrection. And His ascension. And we have to be identified with those things. Because if you don't, you can do no more than control the symptoms. But we can do more than just control the symptoms. You can find a cure. Romans chapter 6 verse 6 and 14 says this. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him You know what that saying? Because we read over these things sometimes. You see, that old man, they used to do all of it I was thinking about it this morning, and I was well, last night and this morning I was in prayer, and I was really going over this because some of this is revelation for me. And I, I started rehearsing some of the things that I used to be that I am not anymore. And it's not because I have willpower. It's because it's dead. I found the rat. And I threw it out. It's dead. Because it was crucified with Jesus Christ. He said, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Christ. That the body of sin might be destroyed. Not just controlled. Destroyed. That hits forth from now on. We should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ. Everybody say, with Christ. With Christ. We believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over Him. Everybody look this way and listen. Does lust have power over Jesus Christ? No. no. Does addictions have power over Him? No. Greed. No. Jealousy. No. Out of control rage. No. Anything you can name, does it have power over Him? No. It does not have dominion over Him. And you are in Him. Amen. And He is in you. So what Paul is telling the Romans and he's telling us is those things don't have the power over Him. And it does not have power over you either. You've died with Him. You've been buried with Him. You have risen with Him. And it does not have power over you. To be identified with Christ is to have dominion over the sin nature. And it can only come when we die with Jesus Christ. See, this has already happened. It's not a question of whether it's happened or not. It has happened. Just like when he blotted out the sin, he dealt with the nature. The problem is we don't have the understanding of that. We don't have the revelation of that. And when we do, and the devil don't want you to get hold of this, folks. Because when we really get hold of this. I think that's when we will see the things that Jesus did. You shall do also and greater things than these shall you do. When you realize He is in me. I am in Him. He died, I died. He rose, I rose. He's victorious, I'm victorious. It means you see yourself the way that God sees you. Jesus was crucified. So were you. It tells us in Romans 6, let's look at it again, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You see, what we, what we don't understand sometimes is that there are two aspects to salvation. You are saved positionally, and you are saved conditionally. It's like, a, let me put it this way you're an officer of the law, that is my position. I become a state trooper. They give me a uniform and they put a badge on me. Positionally, I am a law enforcer. Now, I can be a good cop or I can be a bad cop. Positionally, I'm a cop. But conditionally, I may not be a very good cop. Because how many of you know there's some cops that's on the take? All right. I saw on the news here a while back there was... A lady, she was too drunk to drive home, and the police officers took her home, and are supposed to protect this lady. And they're both up on charges, allegedly, for molesting this lady. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm sure it happens. We know that sometimes they, they, they step over the line. They break the law themselves. Unless you were a retired officer. Isn't that true? I mean, there's some crooked cops out there. Positionally, they're still a cop. But conditionally, they're a lawbreaker. They're not a law enforcer. Same thing is true with your relationship with God. Positionally, I am resurrected in Christ Jesus. The power of God positionally is in me. I can enforce the law to others and may not even enforce it to myself. That's what Paul was talking about. He said, I have to buffet my body to keep it under subjection lest I enforce the law to others or preach to others and I myself become a castaway. Be a bad cop, for lack of a better example. So uh, we need to understand we've been crucified in him positionally, and we can be we can walk in that same victory conditionally. And, it's, and sometimes it's a process. There may, let's go back to the law officer issue again, the example again. He may break the law and not even realize I wasn't supposed to do that. The chief of police calls him in and says, Don't do that again. Yes, sir. I didn't know, I didn't realize, you know, because he wants to be a good cop. So he doesn't do that again. You know? Well sometimes we in our ignorance we do things contrary to the nature of God, even though his spirit lives in us. And we're looking more like we are identified with Adam than we are identified with Christ. But we didn't know. And that's why we have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And he comes in and says, shouldn't do that. Don't do that again. He's like, Yes, sir, I didn't I didn't know. I want to be a good Christian. And so sometimes it's a process, amen? So Romans 6, let me read on in verse 10. Since you've been crucified with Him, you're you're buried with Him, you're raised with Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once. In verse 10. But in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise. Everybody say likewise. likewise. Likewise reckon ye also yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is He saying? Just like Jesus is, you are. Same thing. Verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God, as those who are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. So you've been crucified with Him, you've been buried with Him, you have risen with Him, and did you know furthermore that you have ascended with Him? Tells us in Ephesians, now this is where it's getting good, folks. There's some good stuff here. Ephesians chapter 1, wherefore? Verse 15. I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give things for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. God, let's just stop right here. Father, give us the spirit of wisdom. God, give us the revelation And the knowledge of what you're trying to get across and get through to us this morning. Lord, let it become so real in my life and in our life. God, that we see the supernatural things that you said we would see. God, break it forth. A new thing. In Jesus' name. Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope. And again, that means the certain expectation and confidence of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance is the saints. Verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead, and set Him at His right hand in heavenly places. Where is Jesus? He's on the right hand of God in heavenly places. Verse 21, He is far above all principalities, and power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named. And not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of Him, that filleth all in all. Now that's the end of chapter 1 in Ephesians. And because we separate our books in chapters and verses, a lot of people start there and think chapter 2 is starting something different. But it's a continuation of what He just said. Where is Jesus? He has ascended above principalities and powers and dominions and everything that is even named. He's sitting on the right hand of God and everything has been put under His feet. Everything. Chapter 2, verse 1, He says, And you hath he quickened. That means made alive. Who were dead in the trespasses of sin, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world. In other words, we were identified with Adam. We walked in the sin-fallen nature before. But now he's made you alive. Folks, you're not identified with Adam anymore. You're identified with Christ. Or at least I hope you are. You should be. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the princes of the principalities and powers of the air. That's demonic powers. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation. That means lifestyle, our practices. We all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's what you used to be, he's saying. So what he's saying is, look, Jesus has been raised above all these things. He's sitting on the right hand of God. But you, he's made alive. Now, you used to be like Adam. You used to do these things. But don't you look at verse 4. But God, everybody say, but God. But God, God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, he hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You say, you mean, Pastor, you think you're sitting on the throne beside of God? What, do you think you are God? you think you're deity? He's not talking about we're becoming gods or deity or we're sitting on the throne beside of God. What is He saying? Jesus was lifted up Above all principalities, above all powers, above all dominions, and above everything that is named, they are all under His feet, and He has made you alive and raised you up above all those things too. They don't have dominion over you. We don't have to deal with the symptoms. We can go straight to the source. This dead man is dead. Sin don't have dominion over you anymore. You don't have to yield to lust because that's dead in you. You don't have to uh, yield to addiction. It's dead in you. You have been raised up. You have been quick and made alive. And you have power and dominion. You've been raised above all those things. When you understand, I am identified with Jesus Christ. I used to be identified with Adam. I was in bondage to all those things. I was by nature the child of disobedience. But not anymore because He's quickened something in me. He's made it alive in me. That old man has been crucified with Christ. He's dead. Amen? Amen. Man, I'm preaching myself happy. I'm I'm preaching better than you amen, and I'm going to tell you that. (laughs)
0: Let's
1: read on verse 5. Let's see where I am. Verse uh, verse 7. That in the age to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace, uh, in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. There's another thing we read over. He before ordained that we should walk in them. He said, wait a minute. When did God ordain? In the past, that I should walk in these heavenly powers that he's talking about. Somewhere back in the past, he ordained that I'm not supposed to be living with an Adam nature. He ordained that I'd be living with a Christ nature. Identified in Christ. When did he do that? Way back in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness. And let him have dominion. Over the fish of the sea. The fowl of the air. Over the cattle. And over all the earth. And over every creeping thing. That creepeth upon the earth. When God created Adam. He was perfect. And he made him just like himself. And gave him dominion. Or power. Over everything that he created. What did He ordain? That you're supposed to walk in? The same thing that Adam walked in. Why? Because the second Adam gained back everything that the first Adam gave away. And He turned around and gave it to you. He ordained that you're to walk in these things. You don't have to walk in the bondage of sin. You can be free from it. When we understand... I'm identified with Christ. He is in me. And I am in Him. <clears throat> That's good stuff. Amen? Amen. If and say, neighbor, I'll take, I'll take some of that. That's good stuff. I'm going to read two more and I'm going to close right here. Or one more maybe. Let's see. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Them that are called... According to His purpose. What is His purpose? We're called according to His purpose. Verse 29, He says, For whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. What is His purpose? That you be conformed to the image of His Son. What did He tell them in the beginning? Let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness and give Him dominion. And those that he before know, he
0: predestined
1: that you would be made in his image, same way the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now look this way and listen. If Jesus was the firstborn to be like the first Adam, Because right? that's what he did when he rose from the dead. He was the perfect man, paid the price for sin. And he was the firstborn to be like God had made in the beginning. If there was a firstborn, that means there was a second, and a third, and a fourth, and a twelfth, and 3,000 added on the day of Pentecost, and many, many, many thousands since then, and billions since then, and you are one of those brethren born with that same nature. Do you see this? He was the firstborn of many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestine, them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified, and whom He justified, them He also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? What principality, what power, what sin or symptom can stand against you? Not according to your thinking, but according to what God said. What can stand against you? nothing or either God's wrong and my thinking is right no I got some stinking thinking that's wrong amen God is right he's always right he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things amen praise God I hope that gives you a new outlook on who you are. Because God sees you a whole lot different than you see yourself. And all He wants us to do is come in agreement with what He sees. Because you see, when He looked down, He saw Jesus nailed on the cross. And He saw you nailed on the cross too. He saw Him in the tomb. He saw you in the tomb. He saw Him raised. He saw you raised. He saw Him ascended to His right hand. He sees you ascended to heavenly places. Above principalities and powers. Do you see this? Yes. Well, that's good stuff. Woo, that's good stuff. Amen. Well, praise God. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Theologians refer to this as the oneness with Christ. It is called the mystical union of believers with Christ. It's mentioned over a hundred times in the New Testament. That we are in Christ or with Christ or with the Beloved. These are some of the most important aspects to the promises that He's given us. That we are in Christ. And because Jesus lives, we live also. Amen? Amen? Amen. Why don't you just close your eyes and just say this with me. In Jesus' name. Sin, you have no authority in my life. Henceforth, I have dominion and power over you and everything that is named on the earth. God gave it to me. I claim it. It's mine. I'm going to walk in it. And I'm going to do the things that God put me here for in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm waiting to hear reports of supernatural things as we begin to understand this. Folks, I'm not talking about it in an narrative. I'm so not boasting about these things. We do it with humility. We understand that without Christ in the picture, none of this is real. But because Jesus is in the picture, because Jesus is in my life, all of these things are real. And when God begins to operate, it's, Paul said, it's, it said, I died with Christ, said, yet it's not me. It's Jesus living in me. And I'm going to live my life the way that He would live His life if He was Him. Amen. It kind of gives a new meaning to that, what would Jesus do? That kind of got to be just a cliche. But sometimes we really need to stop and say, okay, Lord, what would you do in this situation right now? How many of you find yourself sometimes doing something and you think Jesus wouldn't be doing this? Or you see something you ought to say, well, Jesus would do that. Lord, help us not to be guilty of the sin of commission, nor to be guilty of the sin of omission. Lord, this morning there are people that have been sitting here listening to this, and God, I just pray that lights have been coming on, Lord, as revelation is being birthed in our minds, our spirit, and our heart. Father, it may be over the heads of some people that are new in Christ. and Lord, just help them grow, Lord, on the sincere milk that they can feed on the meat. Lord, this has kind of been a chunk of meat this morning. But Lord, has somehow, in a small way, help them to understand that they don't have to yield to the sin nature Lord there is a cure unlike the common cold there's a cure for that sin nature recognizing that it has been nailed to the cross and that we have been given life it's quickened in us to walk in victory over it now Father if there's a single person here this morning that is still living with that Adam nature God, I pray that you just touch their heart right now. Let them know they can be free from the bondages of sin. You have provided a way through Calvary that we can be back in relationship and fellowship with the God of the universe. Lord, reveal that to their heart right now. May they know that all they need to do is just reach out to you and say, God, I'm a sinner I'm outside of your mercy and your grace. But I want you to save me today. Lord, may they know right now that you will save them instantly. If they will just trust in you. That your blood will wash them clean right where they are. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you say, Pastor, I've got that Adam nature. The Spirit of God does not dwell in me. I am not a Christian. But I'd like to be. Would you please pray for me when you close in prayer? Would you just lift your hand and say, I want to be ready to meet God when I die. I want to be a Christian this morning. Anyone at all. Well, praise God. If you're here this morning and you say, I learned something today. There's more to me than I realized. There's a nature and a power in me and I'm going to begin to explore that I'm going to begin to exercise that in my life I'm going to take authority over the sin that has vexed me and plagued me for years if you want to claim that promise as your own I'm going to just ask you to lift your hands as we dismiss in prayer and say that's mine I want that that's for me Lord Jesus this morning as we leave this place, God, may we walk out of here in, in, a, in a different mindset. Lord, walk out of here with a victory that, it, we, that we didn't come in with. Because, Lord, maybe we didn't understand these things. Lord, I didn't realize that I've been lifted up to sit in heavenly places in the, in the realm that I understand it now. It's a new revelation to me. Do we have dominion? Given to us, just like you gave to Adam. We have a power given to us, just like you gave to both the first and the second Adam. So, Father, as we walk from this place, Lord, may we be a force to be dealt with. Lord, may the powers of darkness tremble. Because we have a new understanding and a new revelation. The news is out. You can almost hear the devil saying, Man, I wish he hadn't told them that. <laughs> now how am I ever going to get control of this thing? Newsflash, devil. You're not. You're not going to get control of it. Amen? power of god unleashed in central virginia let's go get them amen father i bless them in jesus name bless their home god just give them a great day with their family lord as they celebrate the resurrection of your son jesus christ hallelujah jesus thank you that you rose from the dead god thank jesus thank you that you went to the cross and suffered and died for me shed your blood for me took the beating for me God, we could never, if we we praise you for a million years, we would only begin to praise you and thank you for what you've done. Lord, this morning we just say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you saw fit to let me hear the gospel message in a way that I can understand it. That you become my Savior, my Lord. As we go out, Lord, I pray that our homes will be a reflection of you. Our life will be a reflection of you. The people will see Jesus Christ in our lives and our homes. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.